0: Welcome back to Stand Up Citizen. Uh, I have had a couple of requests to do something on the slide toward tyranny, totalitarianism, and I've consulted a few sources for this, including a book called How Democracies Die, the fascism book by Madeleine Albright, former Secretary of State. On Tyranny by Timothy Snyder. A book from the 30s called It Can't Happen Here. Escape from Freedom. And then the opening statement by Robert Jackson at the Nuremberg Trials. But I'm going to stay away from fascism, and I'll tell you why in a bit. So the necessary qualities that our founders Framers, Montesquieu, Burke, and others of that generation for a republic was civic virtue among the people and with public officials, and education and attention to public actions on the part of the citizens. Good faith, the willingness to follow norms that promotes proper functioning of a government, specifically of a republic, and political courage, which we handled in one of the earlier episodes. So, let's go through authoritarian tendencies that authors in their research have studied in South American countries and in European countries. First one is, On the part of the ruler or governing person, because it's one thing to be ruled, it's another to be governed. There's a difference. A weak commitment to to democratic rules of the game, including norms, including uh, public spiritedness. Uh, Next, the willingness to deny and to promote the the illegitimacy of political opponents that is to deny their legitimacy another is a toleration or encouragement of violence in all kinds of forms and it doesn't have to be physical violence it can be violence uh, against institutions uh, and a willingness or readiness To curtail or sacrifice civil liberties. And to push back against journalists. The press. Who of course are covered by the First Amendment. So let's recall that Benjamin Franklin told us. Those who are willing to give up essential liberties. For some security. Deserve neither. So. What are some examples of these authoritarian tendencies? So on the weak commitment to the rules of the game in a democracy or a republic. One is a failure to follow norms. And norms are the unwritten rules that are developed in order to create a cohesive, and smooth functioning republic. The one that comes to mind with me always is the Merrick Garland nomination by President Obama and Mitch McConnell's unwillingness to even have a hearing or even consider the nomination on a based upon a a rule that he made up, and it was a severe violation of a norm that's been with us for over two hundred years. Another example to me is a willingness to undermine institutions and we rely on institutions like the CIA and the FBI, congressional committees, all kinds of institutions that help us have an justice and a reliance that our our system is going to work properly. Another example is the undermining of the other party's legitimate authority. Such as when a House or Senate committee wishes to investigate a member of the ruler or governing person's party, uh, they are ignored. So they they disrespect them. And uh, Something that's recent, a Congress that's too deferential to the executive branch. I am alarmed when I hear a majority leader in Congress say out loud, we're not going to pursue a legislative idea or or a legislative matter unless we think the president is interested in it. Well, that to me, is a violation of a norm and an actually disturbing deference to a president, and we're supposed to have checks and balances. Uh, Another um, tendency is to deny or impugn the legitimacy of political opponents. One good example is the Newt Gingrich 1996 GOPAC memo, that instructed Republicans to use words that are very combative and denigrating to Democrats. I'm sure there are other reasons going the other way, but those in particular are striking. And since that point, we've seen a descent into divisive politics and gridlock. Another uh, way to, to deny legitimacy was the swift voting of John Kerry, if you recall, when John Kerry ran for president, he was a decorated officer in the Vietnam War and the opponents of Kerry, had appears, successfully convinced a lot of people that that was all a fiction, only to find out later on it was all true. One obvious one is that President Obama was not a citizen. That was promoted by our current president and lots of other people when it was easy to confirm that he was born in the United States. If you think back to the Republican convention, uh, you may remember the words, the chant, the mantra about Hillary Clinton, lock her up, lock her up. Similar to that are the nicknames that some politicos use to belittle opponents. Another kind of tendency is the encouragement or toleration of violence. Think about the Charlottesville demonstration and the comments made afterward. How about inciting attendees at a rally to threaten press members, members of the press, who are only trying to do their job, or who are called fake news. A failure to act on gun laws seems to me uh, is a, a toleration of violence, or at least potential violence. And I've been thinking too about the separation of children from the parents at the border. I don't think we still know how many are still separated from their parents, nor if they can actually even be found. And the last one is, someone is ready to curtail civil liberties, the use of the term, quote, enemy of the people, unquote, is very fraught with uh, danger. Uh, In fact, those exact words were used by Lenin, Hitler, and people like Pinochet in South America. Fake news. Fake news over and over again. The praise of Russia, totalitarian state led by a, a harsh totalitarian leader, is very troubling. And interestingly, we have never gone all out to secure our elections or to even do a really good job of auditing all of our election systems. And that seems to me to be a serious problem. You know, in Europe in the 1930s and in South America in the 70s, suppression of opposition was overt, as was the use of propaganda against opponents, which ended up being real fake news, lies. And the The power of secret police and paramilitaries was evident. So while we're not there, we have to be aware of these historical precedents to inform us because the thirst for power and the zeal of people who are inclined to compromise the principles of a republic and a democracy are sometimes affected. So as to fascism, um, Madeline Albright in her book suggests that it might not be worthwhile to use that term, it's inflammatory, but generally fascists believe that their nations are in a sort of permanent emergency and constantly facing threats from within and without from enemies they either create or imagine. They think the society should be defended by organizing it along rigid conformist lines and that individual liberty becomes secondary. Usually run by a one party, single party, that serves an an all-powerful leader. And here's a quote. To my mind, a fascist is someone who identifies strongly with and claims to speak for a whole nation or group, that individual rights are subordinate to the state, insistence on conformity is, is normal, and is willing to use whatever means are necessary, including violence, to achieve or her goals. So former Secretary of State Albright does believe that the fascist epithet may be appropriate for the U.S. today for reasons having more to do with economics than populism. One hallmark of fascism is a strong alliance between government and business resulting in an ultimate merger of the corporate and political states. She thinks that is, in fact, what has happened in the U.S., or we are at least headed there at pretty fast pace. Fascism derives from symbol of Roman authority. There's a famous story. Antiochus was a king of the... Uh, Seleucid Kingdom, and Antiochus took an army to Egypt, to the border of Egypt, and threatened it. And Egypt, Egypt was under the protection of Rome, so they sent word to Rome. And uh, before Antiochus could act, a single Roman senator accompanied by two soldiers who carried what they called the fast case, the symbol of authority, arrived and said to Antiochus, unless you turn your army around and go home, you will be at war with Rome. Is that what you want? Next day he broke camp and they all went home. The fasces are displayed on the statue of Lincoln in the Lincoln Memorial. So they aren't always a negative connotation. But that's where the word comes from. And it became the symbol in Italy first of strong central authority and what became the fascist government in Italy in the 1920s. We'll get away from fascism now. So think about when a president says, any president. My first job is to protect the nation. How does that compare to his or her oath of office? There's a reason the oath was written into the Constitution, to preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. Protecting the nation first may allow us to ignore the Constitution, and then we have trashed it. It's a reason dictators have given to suspend the Constitution, and rights of citizens, and to invoke security measures. In a republic, we need to both defend the republic and preserve the Constitution. Edward R. Murrow, the famous journalist, uh, wrote about how Britain, when they were alone and expecting a massive invasion from the Nazis, and then resisted effectively, never gave up their fundamental principles. And we should do at least as well. So what's going to happen if we have a change in uh, leadership? Let's say, and this is from the How Democracy Dies book. Let's say the Trump presidency fails, and I'm not talking specifically about the coronavirus, but that is an abject catastrophic failure. And the Democrats sweep back into power. Will institutional forbearance, norms, and mutual toleration be restored? Will our international standing be restored? And will we reverse extremist and illegal policies that appear uh, from time to time? It's really up to us to do that, because without doing those things, we're still on the road to damaging our republic. If the republicans retain power, will fractious politics continue? Will immigration policies remain harsh? Will there be a continued erosion of political norms? And will Vladimir Putin continue to smile for the camera? It's up to us to make sure this goes in the right direction. The authors of the book believe that the most likely scenario is that Trump Will lose the election and recede into our political past. Mutual toleration and forbearance may not recover, and hyperpartisan politics will continue. That kind of division could deal a serious blow to our national spirit. So, in the book on tyranny by Timothy Snyder, His focus is primarily on Europe in the 1930s. He has a few recommendations he believes are important to avoiding a slide into tyranny. So the first one is defend institutions. It's a mistake to assume political officials who come to power by way of institutions will not change, damage, or destroy those very institutions. Beware the one party state or the overwhelming influence of one party. The party that exercises too much control fears democracy and therefore must weaken it. And remember George Washington's eulogy and release said, control party spirit, the bane of a republic. Be wary of paramilitaries, meaning armed men with unmarked uniforms and vehicles. They can create instability and incite fringe armed minorities. If you read your history, you may remember the brown shirts in Germany in the 1930s. Believe in truth and investigate. Here's a quote. To abandon facts is to abandon freedom. So the first step in those who would like to take more power is to present inventions and lies and insisting they are facts. Then they repeat them over and over to make them seem plausible. You know, Hitler said, Tell lies. The bigger the lie, the better, and the more often you tell it, the better. And Eventually, the people will believe you. Propose contradictions, like reduce taxes, but eliminate the debt, and increase spending. And watch out for someone who says, I am the only one who can solve all these problems that they have just identified whether they actually are problems or not. And support good journalism. They are not the enemy of the people. Finally, guard your private life. Tyrants or even nasty rulers will use what they know about you to push you around. Whoever can pierce your privacy can disrupt your relationships. Injure your reputation and compromise you. Listen for dangerous words. Be a patriot. Be courageous. And remember that bad faith is a key indicator of leaders striving to expand power at our expense. Remember, Ben Franklin said, What we gave you is a republic if you can keep it. Burke told us, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. If you like this episode, please share it. I appreciate your attention. And be safe out there.